Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Thanks to all of you who have written in with your congratulations as last week we reached our 100th episode. And I'm so thrilled to bring this Positivity podcast uh, to you and throughout the globe. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for your insights and mostly for responding to what moves you and for listening. I have a question for you. Could you name three remarkable people you've met in your lifetime? Two? Even one? I bet you could. And what I want to know is What was it that stood out about them? What was it about them that made them unforgettable or that make them unforgettable? I'm thinking particularly, I've been fortunate to meet a number of people that have had a huge impact on my life. But years ago, I met a woman, Hannah, and I met her uh, in the suburbs of Jerusalem in Israel. Hannah was an older lady, and I had met her in this home for the aged, and she wasn't living there. She was volunteering there, and I was going there to play music. And we became friends. She was always there when I came by to play some music for the elderly there, and we got to talking, and Over the year I was there, I learned her story. In brief, Hannah was someone who had uh, lived in Hungary, had married, had a family, and then one day, like so many experienced, found a group of people had entered her village and had lined people up to take them away. These, of course, were the Nazis. And she lost her husband and her son, were taken away on a train one day, and she went on to care for others and for her baby. During this time, food was scarce, She was malnourished, and she eventually, her milk dried, and she was unable to feed her baby, and the baby died. One day, there was someone at the door. He looked bedraggled, but he was alive, and that was her son, who had been taken away. He told her that Papa... His dad, her husband, had died, but that he had been able to run away when there was a march in the woods, and he found his way back to her. And at the end of the war, after she had lost her husband, two other children, and many in her family and her friends. Her son insisted that they go to this new country that was forming 
and fight for it to go to Israel. And she had said, no, no, my life is here. I must make my life here. And he said, Mom, there's nothing for you here. And she nevertheless insisted she would stay there. And he went off to Israel. She found out that sometime later that she received notice that he had fought nobly and bravely for the fledgling state, but that he was killed in the War of Independence. Now Hannah had lost so much family, even the son that managed to get away from the Nazis had perished in fighting for Israel. She came to know the love of a widower, and together they slowly began to build a life. She said she had put away her Sabbath candles. She had lost her faith in God, but that her new husband had insisted she light candles and at least make a kosher home. So she did this for him. And eventually one day he asked her to move to America to get a fresh start. And so she left everything behind and did move to America and lived there and built a life for herself and him for about 12 years. After which point he said, Hannah, I've decided I want my last years that are remaining to go to the state of Israel. Let us move to the state of Israel. Let us honor your late son's sacrifice and let's go live there. And so they did. She said she turned her back on a on a faith, on a, uh, not only had she turned her back on her faith, but she turned her new home back on her new home for the love of her second husband. And she said, yes, I will follow him. This means so much to him. And she followed him. They took a ship, and they decided to take a ship across the waters and eventually make their way to Israel. And on that ship, you would not believe it. Yes, he suffered a massive coronary, and he died. Now, I'm listening to her story, and I'm just overwhelmed by all of her loss. And she then explained to me that she made her way to the state of Israel with his body. She decided she would bury him there in Jerusalem, which she did. And she would make her life there to honor him and to honor all of her family. She had told me she had long ago lost her faith in God. She had lost her faith in tradition and rituals. She lost her connection to them. But she had discovered something so strong. She said, people, I have come to rely on people. And it has brought me the greatest foundation in my life. When I tell each of you that this was maybe the most positive, affirmative, smiling human being I have ever met. That is saying something. But Hannah was all that and more, filled with effervescence, filled with luminescence, 
filled with a joy that I could not believe, particularly after hearing her story. But somehow, we might lose one thing or many things in our life and still find not only the will to survive, but to become something more. She had become a lifeline to these elderly in this home and would visit them throughout the week. She was the one who arranged for me to come, a visiting student, and to sing to them throughout the year. This was a woman beyond compare. We say in Hebrew, a woman of valor who can find. Well, I found one the day I met Hannah. That is for sure. And her joy really helped feed my creativity years later when I was trying to decide about the personality of the woman who would rescue the character in my first novel known as All That Matters. And that is where the title for this podcast comes from. And in the novel, All That Matters, a young woman has lost her mother in a tragic accident. Her father had years ago gone off and started a new family, devoted his time to them, seemed to have little time for her. She had later found the man of her dreams who turned out not to be. He was not who he said he would be. And she chose to give up on life. Lays down in the sand in Santa Monica, California takes Xanax and a bottle of tequila and decides she'll just put herself permanently to sleep. Nobody notices her anyway, she surmises. and This is part of her logic. She'll say goodbye. Only someone notices that day, as I've explained in previous podcasts. And she is rescued quite by accident by a workman who is combing the sand in Santa Monica. And she is put in a psychiatric ward after uh, she is cared for. And uh, and it is there that her Holocaust-surviving grandmother, on her last legs back in New York City, gets out of her sickbed, comes across the United States, steals her out of the psychiatric ward and takes her on a journey across America to help her fall in love with life. And I thought to myself, who would be the most dramatic person to do that? It would have to be someone who had seen the worst of humanity, and that would be her grandmother who managed to survive the Holocaust. And so I created this grandmother figure, and part of her personality comes from Hannah. It is also the grandmother I never got to meet in my life. So I forged her in my creativity and placed her in my first novel. I was fortunate to have African-American moms in Atlanta, Georgia, tell me that it reminded me of their moms and their grandmothers. The woman who takes a stand for her family, puts them on her back, and carries them into the future, as many of their mothers and grandmothers had done. 
so true and so too in our family. And so I share with you this story of Hannah. And I share with you from the second chapter of All That Matters, the moment when Jennifer wakes up in the hospital and finds her grandmother there. Jennifer stared at a worn and wrinkled face. The flesh was age-spotted. Mere wisps of hair stood in for eyebrows, and the head was crowned with a floating halo of white hair, looking as ethereal and comic as Einstein's. Nevertheless, the blue eyes twinkled with life, and the face was as animated as a child's. Jennifer felt a brief tug of emotion and ached to reach out to the safe haven of arms that had once soothed the wounds of a broken home. But these feelings quickly disappeared and Jennifer recoiled, shrinking back from the figure before her. She was facing the only person on earth whom she knew truly cared about her. That made her grandmother the last person Jennifer wanted to see. Why are you here? she demanded. My granddaughter's in a hospital. Where else should I be? The old woman replied, reaching out to cup her granddaughter's wan face in a delicate vein-laced hand. No, you're not supposed to, said Jennifer, pulling back like a cornered animal, looking for a way out. The older woman hushed her with the nod of a head and the twinkle of her hope-filled eyes. In that moment, these two women of the same family face each other, and I end the chapter this way. The sight of the troubled girl melted Gabby's resentment. Her eyes took in her granddaughter's pale arms where the IV needle fed life-giving fluids. Gabby's forehead creased with worry, and beads of sweat formed in the furrows of her brow. And there in that hospital room, she swore on her daughter Lily's memory that she would help Jennifer, Lily's daughter, her granddaughter, find her way out of the darkness and back into the light. That is what Hannah was able to do for so many. Hannah suffered the losses of the world and found through people, through community, that she could live on, that she could inspire others. In my book, All That Matters, Gabby, the grandmother, will teach Jennifer, her granddaughter, a lesson of life that only she could teach. Gather up the lessons that have been taught you in your lifetime. Give thanks for them this week. And maybe, just maybe, you're doing something right now that makes you that memorable figure in someone else's eyes, in someone else's heart. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Matters.